Hi, I'm Tony Hines, and you're listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. Well, we've got a great program ahead, so stick with us. Today I want to talk about the way supply chains might look in future. And we've got a few different opinions on how things might play out. Now this week's episode, The Future of Supply Chains, has something for everyone. If you're in the C-suite, it's something you may know about but you need to know more about and you need to understand what's happening in the current context of supply chains with disruption and risk And you may think you understand that, but you need to be very clear about what strategies you can employ. So, something for you. If you're a researcher or academic in the field, then again, you might want to think about the arguments raised in this particular podcast. If you're a journalist or a reporter trying to understand supply chain disruptions, there's probably something in this podcast for you too, to get a handle on what's happening. Or if you're a government advisor and you don't thoroughly understand what's happening in supply chains and the arguments being made, then again, something for you. If you're a supply chain professional working inside an organisation, you're often very busy looking at the day-to-day operations and you don't get time to stand back and think about the strategies being employed by your organisation or to have an input to make suggestions about what could happen. Well, listening to this podcast might give you some ideas and suggestions that you could make within your management teams. And I think it's important to have these discussions so that we create better supply chains. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Well, supply chain disruptions could cost the European Union economies up to 920 billion euros in gross domestic product by next year. This is according to an Accenture report, which talks about overcoming those challenges, and it says that supply chains will need to be reinvented as the new economic order takes shape. Of course, it's the usual suspects causing the problems. Russia's invasion of Ukraine is the big one, with 920 billion being affected in relation to that. And of course, that's about nearly 8% of the Eurozone gross domestic product. The report was published at the World Economic Forum's annual meeting in Davos, and it's called From Disruption to Reinvention, The Future of Supply Chains in Europe. And they talk about three possible outcomes, and they've modelled these different scenarios. COVID-19 apparently cost in the region of 112.7 billion euros in lost GDP during 2021. Before the war, the lack of material supplies, breakdown in those supply chains, and particularly difficulties with logistics that we've talked about here on Chain Reaction with the container shipping and uh, all the problems with transport, and of course, inflationary pressures are all converging to cause problems in the supply chain. If the war in Ukraine continues, of course, the loss to GDP could go up even more, according to the report. Experts have said that 
Europe will probably avoid a recession this year, but we don't know what's going to happen in the following year. And it could even be 2024 before we see the full effects, the full impact of what's currently happening in Ukraine. Of course, solving problems in supply chains is always an issue for ensuring growth and making sure that competitive forces can work as they're meant to. They talk about this reinventing supply chains and suggest a paradigm shift is needed to optimise cost. In today's world, supply chains need to be resilient and agile because of the increasing uncertainty. And three key focuses were talked about in the report. The first was resilience. Supply chains have to absorb, adapt, recover from disruptions whenever and wherever they occur. And that's what I've talked about for some weeks now on the Chain Reaction podcast. And they talk about improving real-time visibility, identifying the risk and making sure that there's mitigation of that risk when possible, and to be aware of what's going on. So visibility is a real key. And I've talked about visibility repeatedly on Chain Reaction, saying how important it was for supply chains to be visible. They talk about stress testing those supply chains, looking at multi-sourcing options and thinking or rethinking the size of buffer stock. The second thing they talked about was relevance and something close to my heart, because it was the title or part of the title in my book, being customer focused. They say supply chains need to be customer centric and agile. So what they mean by customer centric, of course, is customer focused. You have to focus on what the customers want and you have to really work hard to deliver value through that supply chain. And there's a move away from centralization and linear models to a network approach. Well, nobody really believed that the models of supply chains were linear in the first place. It was just convenient to talk about a supply chain to explain and illustrate how they actually worked moving goods from point of origin through to the customer. But we always understood that this wasn't really linear, that there were networks involved with hubs, almost a hub and spoke network. So I don't think that's particularly new, but I think that the increasing interest in being customer focused will change perspective more so than in the past. That's not to say that some supply chains don't work very well and are indeed customer focused. And the other, the third thing that they talk about in the report is sustainability, that modern supply chains have to support sustainable goals. And it's the subject of a recent Chain Reaction podcast where I talk about the circular economy in relation to how sustainability can work and how we all must think differently about what we do. Value chains have to be transparent and one way to do this is through blockchains or similar technology, they say. And they say that we have to move away from linear processes to circular processes as well. Yeah, but supply chains have been doing that. So those things are not new, but perhaps we're talking about an acceleration of those things. And perhaps we're talking about more effort from those who haven't been keeping up with what's going on. Of course, if you listen to the Chain Reaction podcast, you would have been keeping up with what's going on. And the other key thing, I think, is that Supply chains, when we talk about visibility and some of the meetings I've attended in the past few weeks with professionals in the United States and across Europe, have been very interested to talk beyond 
tier one in relation to visibility. So we're looking at tier two and tier three. Now, we all know, those of us that understand supply chains, it becomes more foggy, more misty as you go down the tiers. So as you get to tier two, yeah, you can still maintain degrees of visibility. As you get to tier three, it's perhaps a little more difficult. And if you go beyond that, it's almost impossible. And that's even with technology. But the technology is there to make it more visible. So where there's a will, there's a way. So it can be done, but it will take some hard work and it will take time. The question is, have we got time with that level of difficulty? Now, they also talk about moving away from a just-in-time to a just-in-case approach, diversifying supply bases. Now, I don't agree with that. I think that's a mistake. I agree that the diversification of the supplier base, in other words, mitigating the risk being reliant on single or particular groups of suppliers, might be a strategy to adopt. But as for just-in-case, well, definitely not, because that's going to tie up lots of capital working capital unnecessarily just in case and that's dumb at any time you might have to think about having more buffer stock in particular categories where you know there's a potential risk of not meeting the customer needs or not satisfying those customers and that's sensible but just in case across the piece well no 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 what you're actually proposing is inefficient supply chains. Just think about it a bit more. Because the just-in-case approach will cost a lot of money. It's what I think of in past times where organisations held lots more inventory than they ever needed just in case. And that can be pretty stupid at times. So I'm not a fan of moving to just-in-case. If you hold inventories or hire inventories just-in-case then you have to be very clear about why you're holding that inventory and you have to be very clear about how quickly that inventory will move. Otherwise, what you're doing is filling the warehouse or the distribution centre or the store or the manufacturing plant with more inventory to carry, which costs money. And it also creates other risks of the possibility of damage to those inventories, the risk of obsolescence and other possible costs of holding higher inventory. And so it can be a very foolish strategy. I think just-in-time can work in some supply chains and should still be the aim. But I think you have to be more balanced in some senses of understanding the demand patterns for your product lines. And in some cases, I can see that holding buffer inventories at higher levels than what might have been regarded as normal could be sensible. But to hold too much of that would be tying up far too much capital in the system. And that would be a mistake. So I think that's a bit short-sighted. So I don't actually agree with the Accenture report on that one. I do agree that we look at diversifying supply bases. I do agree that we move both closer and maintain balance with mid-distance and global networks, but to make sure that we've got risk and uncertainty tied together so that we can be agile in moving our supply bases around. Now, if you're a global company, you can do that anyway, because you've most likely got hubs in different places around the world. And planning alternative 
freight routes or having different centers that are flexible so you can build inventory in some places where it's needed and not in others where you might still operate on a just-in-time basis where you're close to the market, then that would seem a sensible balance to me. So it really is about balancing things. But I also think that there's a great need to have this digital transformation to create the visibility and to have the control over the system, over the dynamic system, so that you can see data in real time and make adjustments on the go as things are happening. And that's the key to managing competitive supply chains in the future. Now, in the Davos report, they talk about those three things, creating or arising to meet a new order in supply chains, this paradigm shift that they talk about. Now, paradigm shifts are few and far between, and I'm not sure necessarily that that's the paradigm shift. That's a neoliberal response to the disruption that suggests that you can reach a new equilibrium. You might remember I talked about the failure of economics to understand issues and problems in systems because they're looking at the wrong things in the microscope or the telescope. And I think in this example, the Accenture report might be doing exactly the same thing. It might not be understanding that disruption is the new order, if there is such a thing as order. In other words, there's no order. The supply chains are going to remain disrupted and chaotic for some considerable time. They're not going to lay down and return to some new normal anytime soon. And that's my understanding of how it's going to be in the next couple of years. It's going to be very volatile. And so the ability to deal with volatility, yes, agility, responsiveness, flexibility, and to some degree being resilient, yes, but resilience costs money, especially if you go from the notion of aiming for just-in-time supply chains to just-in-case supply chains. That's a big shift. That's a shift that says keep the money flowing out of the business. And it's not a shift I don't think that consumers necessarily want to see either because consumers will be concerned about inflationary pressures, of prices, and if you go to just-in-case, where more inventory is held, inevitably, that means higher prices. Now here's my prescription for what to do. I think resilience is key in one sense. But I think resilience should be built not through inventory, but through data, through visibility, through understanding the movements in real time. And so those organizations that invest in data transformation to understand what's going on in real time will be the beneficiaries from future supply chains. So yes, resilience, but no to inventory. Now, it may be that if you've got data, of course, what you'll be able to do is to understand quickly where the demand pattern is shifting and move inventory between locations where you have inventory, where there is lower demand to places where there's higher demand. And that's the way to manage the system. And it should be a system. It should be a network. We should think about those supply chains as networks. So I agree with people who suggest that supply chains are networks because they exactly are. And it's about understanding where the inventory is in the network 
so that you can be responsive quickly to the demands of customers. And that strikes out number two, which is being customer centric or customer focused, as I like to say. Because if you're customer focused, you will know what the demand pattern looks like. And of course, it will be different in different supply chains. So in fast moving consumer goods, those supply chains are going to be very different to slow moving goods. And they're going to be very different to business to business supply chains. And so we can't just talk about all supply chains adopting the same strategy. Those strategies have to be different in the different nature of the supply chains that you have in your organization and across categories, not just in the organization, but you'll have different categories where you'll have some supply chains that are relatively stable and slow, and you'll have other areas where they are fast moving and prices are changing rapidly. And particularly if the nature of the business is cyclical, so, for example, in the food sector, in the food industry, where we have a, an agricultural process, a growing period, a harvesting period, and a conversion period into saleable goods, then the cycles are different to other industries where that's not the nature of the supply chain. Extending visibility beyond tier one suppliers is also key to knowing what's going on in your supply chain. You have to have visibility to level two and level three. And as I said, it becomes more difficult as you move through the tiers to have that visibility. But it's something that has to happen. I don't think we should move away from the idea of having efficient supply chains with a focus on cost, because I think that's what the customer actually wants to see. They want to see organizations that are working hard to be efficient so that they know that they're not overpaying to support inefficient operations. And so any move away to this notion of just in case would be something as a customer that you probably would not support. Resilience has to come from data, information and intelligence and not from inventory. And so I would strike out just in case and I would think of just in case as terminology for inflation push, when we should be focusing our attention on demand pull, the customer, and what they want from the system. When we configure supply chains, there are choices. We can source locally, regionally, or globally. Each choice comes with risk. These choices are made with regard to availability of supply, prices, delivery times, transport costs, and the costs of dealing with suppliers. For example, are suppliers reliable? Is the quality good, consistent, and is service good? And of course, how easy they are to deal with. Do we have good relationships with those suppliers that we're able to call on them to do things as and when required, and they are able to respond? Disruption, delay, and time come into the equation. The ability to have visibility in the supply chain is key to mitigating risk going beyond Tier 1 and Tier 2 suppliers and on to Tier 3 and 4 and even beyond is desirable. This way we'll have complete visibility of the supply chain. And some might say, well, that's pie in the sky. Well, not so much pie in the sky these days because it's probably possible, although 
it might be in the sky, because we're talking about digital supply chains with cloud software, solutions that enable our desire to become reality. And that's getting better. That's improving all the time. And software solutions and digital transformations are helping that. We always need to have a clear understanding of our customer when it comes to executing those choices. What does the customer value? Is it quick response, consistent service, agility, knowing that their supplier is able to respond and quickly and serve the customer requirement and that they have a reputation in consistently achieving that? Some research and hard thinking by the C-suite about these matters is called for when it comes to deciding on choices. Let's briefly turn attention to the balance sheet paradox. And what I mean is you can bolster a balance sheet. It looks stronger. It looks better. It looks more efficient if you've got more assets on the balance sheet than you have liabilities. But when it comes to inventory and managing inventories, that's about the working capital section of the balance sheet. And let's see how that's impacted by these two scenarios. The first scenario is just in case, a strategy that many suggest is a way to build resilient supply chains. And compare that with just in time, which people are suggesting that the time for just in time is over. Now, I think both of those points are extreme, but it's often good to look at the extreme cases to see how that plays out in the reality of deciding a supply chain strategy. So let's take the first case. I decide that resilience is the aim. To achieve resilience, it's suggested that we build inventory to ensure that we're able to meet customer demand. It depends, of course, how much inventory we decide to hold just in case supplies are disrupted. Taking this path will incur higher cost for the business. It could mean investing not simply in the inventory itself, but you might have to invest in warehousing facilities and labour to support the choice made. On the balance sheet, fixed assets would increase with any purchase of facilities, or the balance sheet remains unaffected if we decide to rent those facilities, but our profit will be impacted because that cost will come out of the revenue stream as will any increase in labour cost. The increase in -in just-in-case inventory will increase current assets on our balance sheet, but this will be balanced by an increase in current liabilities, the creditors we purchase the stock from, the inventory from. The need to invest more working capital to achieve this will drain cash flow. On the other side of the equation, we may be able to satisfy customer demand, but at what price is the critical question. Now let's take a different view. If we have better supply chain visibility across the end-to-end supply chain, we can predict customer demand in real time and we can adjust orders to fulfil demand through supply networks. We'll also have a clearer picture of where supplies are sufficient or locations that may need more supplies because demand is higher in that location. The solution may mean moving inventory between locations where it's held rather than pushing up inventories through new orders. Application of an efficient solution, such as this, will lower working capital rather than increase it, but it may have cost implications for the transport logistics. We can always strive for just-in-time where it's appropriate, and this is still the most efficient way to meet the needs of customers. Just-in-time systems are better for reducing inventory costs, increasing profitability, and for the planet by ensuring we do not overproduce, incurring additional CO2 and greenhouse gas emissions. So we should certainly just not ditch 
Just in time for just in case. QED. Quad erat demonstrandum. So in conclusion, where do I think the future of supply chains lies? Well, first of all, I think there is a caveat. I think supply chains for all organisations will be different. I think inside organisations there are different supply chains and different supply chain configurations that work in particular categories. So we have to be careful to distinguish between the different types of supply chains that we have. But the future definitely lies in digital transformation, in getting more data to get visibility in those supply chains, and that's critical. We need to have that. I think supply chains will remain a mixture of onshore, nearshore, offshore, farshore, and I think supply chains will remain global, but there will be local supply chains that will be important, and there will be regional supply chains that will be important. I think friendshoring has a part to play. When we think about critical assets, we should be thinking about ensuring that we can maintain those supplies. And that's where friendshoring for me comes into play. I don't think every supply chain has to be friendshored. It's like working with people. We don't always work with our friends. We work with people we may not like, but we respect their professional capability. And I think that will remain so. I think that we have to maintain balance in supply chains, and it's about balance. I think we always have to keep an eye on efficiency. So for me, efficient supply chains are always going to be an important aim. I think we have to focus our attention on cash flows and how that's working. Do we generate enough cash? Do we ensure we don't commit too much cash? Well, yes, both of those are important. And cash flow is probably more important in some respects than profitability. If we invest in just-in-case inventory, we'll definitely drain cash, so that's not a good idea. Sometimes there's a case, perhaps, to build up inventory when we know there's going to be a disruption. And if we've got the resources to do that, we should commit resources to do it. We should make sure always we don't invest too much money into inventories, because if we do, what will happen is what always happens, that the inventory may become obsolete, damaged in our care, we'll incur higher costs for holding that inventory. And if we can't sell that inventory at the end of the day, there's no value in the supply chain. So we have to be very cautious in incurring risk. So risk is key, managing risk. The closer we can stay to the customer, In other words, being customer focused and focusing on the needs of the customer base that we have is important and it's essential to mitigate risk because if you know what the customer's thinking about and what those customers are likely to do, how they're likely to behave in given situations, then you can predict better what the demand pattern might be and that's key. You can also stay close by having real-time data about the sales positions if they share data with you so that you can see how you need to plan the supply chain and customers are increasingly prepared to do that in many supply chains so that you can work with them effectively and efficiently.
And that efficiency is important. It benefits both sides. It benefits both the customer to ensure supplies and it benefits the supplier in making sure that they've got sufficient resources and capabilities and uh, capacity in place to deliver the requirements for that customer. And that's clearly a way to mitigate risk. It won't, of course, overcome every possible critical incident that might happen and disruption that might take place and volatility that might be introduced into different parts of the globe or different parts of the supply chain or environmental conditions which impact and shape that supply chain. But at least you'll have a much better picture of what's going on and you'll be able to plan better to mitigate risk. And data, creating good information and having intelligence will keep the organisation focused on what it has to do and the strategic choices it can make. So that's it for my discussion of the future of supply chains at this time. Hope you've enjoyed the episode and I'll see you next time in the Chain Reaction Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Tony Hines and you've been listening to the Chain Reaction Podcast all about supply chain advantage. Thanks for listening. Chain Reaction was written, presented and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains. Now we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.